ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Is it funny that we don't talk anymore? How normal is it now to walk into a room and have everyone sitting on a screen, not talking with each other, but scrolling, checking emails, looking up, I don't know, the weather, social media, or maybe just paying a bill online? We spend more time on screens than we do with loved ones. It's reported that on average, we spend 46 hours a week on devices and just six hours with family and friends. Good morning. I'm Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Bronwyn O'Shea, joining you from ABC Wodonga. They're confronting stats just six hours a week with family and friends. Bron, we don't talk anymore. We really don't, do we? And it's got to the point, I know I'm a bit guilty of it too, where actually calling someone is quite socially unacceptable. Mm. I have several friends who say, don't bother ringing, I won't answer, just send me a text. And how are you the same with girlfriends in particular? You'll be texting each other backwards and forwards sometimes. You know, like 15 messages oh, back and, and forth. And some. It all could have been resolved in a two-minute conversation, <laughs> but instead there's texts going backwards and forwards because it just feels socially wrong to pick up the phone and call someone now. Well, it's, it's got to be an emergency, really, doesn't it? It does make you wonder, has all that screen time left us a little bit socially stunted, as I saw one researcher call it? Are we losing that ability to actually sit down face-to-face with someone and interact? And then what does that mean for your job, your relationships, your friendships? I was talking about this in the green room just before with the publicist and he said that there's been research done into young people in particular where the art or the natural reaction of empathy is lost in young people because there is such limited face-to-face time, there is such limited social connection and in particular there is a lost art of being able to apologise, to be able to look you in the eye, Bron, if I've wronged you in some way and say, I'm sorry, that that is gone. Instead, I'll just send you a message and say, oh, soz, my bad, that there's no skill of of empathy and, and apologies. And it makes such sense, doesn't it? No wonder we have to have empathy training as a thing now. Vic Health has actually also just surveyed over a 1,000 18 to 25-year-olds and they found that 8 in 10 admitted, yes, we do spend more than a healthy amount of time on screens each day. 6 in 10 actually want to limit their screen time. But a lot of them, sadly, Rochelle, say we don't have the time or the money to spend on activities that would get us out and about meeting other people. So what happens when we don't meet other people, when our in-person connections are few and far between? What happens if we spend less and less time physically interacting with the people around us? Maybe this is you. Do you feel really socially awkward now? Have you noticed that we can't talk and connect like we used to? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt. I'm in Melbourne, Bronwyn O'Shea, your co-host this morning, joining you from ABC Wodonga. We are spending less and less time in person with each other, more and more time on our screens. So are we, I guess, Bron, losing the art of socialising, you know, working the room, reading the room, all of those things that you gain from looking somebody in the eye and being able to read a personality, to be able to judge atmosphere. I remember talking to my husband ages ago about a particular person saying they can't read atmosphere. You know when you're like, oh, yes, I think it's time the for me vibe. to leave. <laughs> yes. Picking up on those social cues, yes. which if you have not had lots of experience being in that situation you know that's it's not something I mean I guess potentially we innately know a little but it's a learned thing too isn't it this text already says I'm not losing anything I just leave my phone at home now but Jimmy's called through good morning Jimmy 
G'day, Rochelle. How are you? Good. I'm so glad that you called and you didn't text us. <laughs> Gold star. Um, no, I was uh, just touching on what your guest had to say about not having the time or money to meet people or do anything. I work 60 hours a week on a cattle farm, and yet on the weekends I still have time to go out and see my friends, play bowls, ride rodeo as well, so I get to uh, meet lots of nice cowgirls and cowboys, and um, I think that it's an absolute excuses if you say that you don't have the time or money to do it, because people are everywhere. It's free to talk to someone. Oh, like, you're so um, right. Yeah, yeah, social... Having social connection with people is what makes you happy. And, and so I think that it's really sad that a lot of people just resort to texting people and not calling them up or going and seeing friends or, or the elderly in your community. I think that um, it's very beneficial for your mental health and it's probably why a lot of people have a lot of um, mental health issues yeah. today because they just yeah. don't. I agree. Jimmy, do you make a conscious choice to put the device down and, I guess, eyes up and look at what's going on around you? Have you, have you had yeah. to consciously do that or or have you just found that 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 you know you've never been lured by the screen to that degree oh no of course you get lured by the screen i mean you, you can you can chat all day and text all day and play games on your phone while you're on the train or something like that but i find it's just so much more beneficial if you mm. talk to the person next to you and you know you never know the characters that you meet and it really really just brightens your day Jimmy, it's so good to get your insights. Thank you. And I agree totally. There's nothing better. My girlfriend, who is so wonderful at organising things, she's, I always feel bad. I don't organise anything and I'm just terrible. And she is so wonderful and she's got a group of us and we've started catching up once a month. There's about five or six of us and we go to all different things. It might just be to go to the Botanic Gardens and have a walk around or it might be to go to the gallery and have lunch. But to just have an hour or two with a group of women, some of which you're very close to and some of which maybe you're meeting for the first time and chat face to face, you come home invigorated. It's quite incredible. It is incredible, isn't it? The energy that you gain from bouncing around the energy of others. I know working as a, a solo, you know, sole business person working from home, I love the days that I get to go out and interact with people through work because it's better than being lonely at home on your computer all day. Absolutely. This says, I'm currently ringing a lot of people for a 40-year school reunion. Weirdly, people tend not to answer, text it or email about me about this, but I'm having some lovely chats. That's from Susan in Kensington. And this, the pandemic exasperated this. We were online. Chats were preferred methods of communication. That's from Dan in Newport. Ray's called from the Buckland Valley. Hello, Ray. Oh, hello. Hello, ladies. Um, yeah, I live up the Buckland Valley where there's no um, mobile reception. And in a way, I really rejoice in that because the last phone I had was a, um, a bag phone with a battery big enough to start a Kenworth truck. <laughs> and, but with that, I could make a telephone call anywhere. But I really feel with all this technology, this digital technology that's keeps invading into our spirits, what happens is something which be, is, is, is intrinsically insane can become normalised. And I've seen it bright. You see mainly teenage girls, and I'll tell you, walk right across Gavin Street or one of the streets in Bright, looking down their mobile phone with cars avoiding them. It's crazy. That, that happened to me the other day, Ray. I nearly hit a girl. She didn't even look up. I was astonished. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, Kathy's Ray, thank you. This text says, Rochelle and Bron, my dad died last Wednesday and I've had to make so many phone calls cold to tell relatives and friends and funeral directors and priests and then all the calls to organise everything. It's been a lot, but people are so kind and helpful. That's Penny from Essendon, who is Jack's daughter. Penny, we're so sorry to hear your loss. That would make something like that all the more harder though, Bron, mm. wouldn't it? Because no one picks up their bloody phone. So yeah. then you're having to text people and tell them the information or repeat it time and time again. Rishan Bron says this text, it's all too common now to find young shop assistants who can barely engage in a conversation about a product or a service question. That's from Michelle in Wonthaggy. And a part of that, so this is not a, I guess, a conversation, Bron, to single out young people. The research that we'll go into in just a moment is on young people aged 18 to 25 where there is a lot of screen time and a loss of social connection. I think it's all of us, though. I do too. And I do think that we are losing 
something pretty special and something really important for life skills that we will take with us forever. What struck me about what Ray just said was he said, invading our spirits and I thought isn't that interesting it's not just a practical thing it's not just robbing us of time with others invading our spirit um, is a really interesting thing which I look forward to discussing more through through the hour Kathy's in Bayside welcome Kathy thanks for calling uh, good good morning thank you for your program I love it what did you want to um, say I just I just want to say I find the mobile phones exasperating as well. Yes, they're convenient, but I miss the old days where you could just have your landline phone in the house and you could pick up the calls later that night. So you could actually get some work done during the day without being badgered all day. Yeah. But I do like the face to face conversations as well. They're I'm important, old aren't they? like that. Yeah. There's lots of texts coming in talking about, uh, you know, I think we've lost the ability just to be comfortable with others and doing nothing and talking about nothing of significance. It's such a joy, says this text. My closest friends are the ones I can do nothing with. And this says, my friend and I are both in our early 40s. She's the one friend who always makes the effort to call instead of me texting once every couple of months for a good old gas bag. It's always stood out to me and I admire her for taking the time to make that meaningful call. Call. We should do it more often, me included. That's from Amy and Doncaster. Amy, me included as mm. well. Have we lost that ability to connect socially? Are we spending too much time on our screens that we just don't know how to socially interact like we used to? This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Do you feel socially awkward now? And have you noticed that we can't talk and connect like we used to because we are just spending all of us young people in particular, too much time on our screens. Rochelle Hunt here with you and Melbourne, Bronwyn O'Shea, your co-host joining you from ABC Wodonga. Bron, here's a message from Julian. It says, I'm 24. Catching up with friends online or in person is next to impossible. No one has any money to catch up. No one has any time. I work full-time, pay bills. I have a mortgage like everyone else. I prioritise spending time with my friends and my family. I'll drive two hours back and forth to Melbourne every week just to play basketball with friends. A four-hour round trip around $40 in petrol, but I love it and it keeps me going. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And I loved what Jimmy said right at the top of the program about, you know, really no time and money is an excuse because talking to people is free and you can get out and find someone to interact with. It's just that I think we're frightened to do it now. I think it's easier said than Mm -hmm. done. I think we have... I mean, it's a skill. I mean, socialising is a skill and some of us are better at it than others. And, you know, you ought to say, oh, they're an introvert or they're an extrovert or... uh, I think that whole layer is lost now. And yes, it's always been there because of screens. The pandemic, I agree with that previous text, I think it has exasperated the idea of well i can just do this all online i don't mm. i don't need to be face to face in order we have been trained to be okay with not being together haven't we kevin capake is the vic health manager of social connection and mental well-being so he can talk us through this survey that they've just done of a thousand young people and their screen habits hi kevin hi hi rochelle Bronwyn, how are you Good. And you found that actually quite quite a number, six in ten of the young people you spoke to, um, are aware that they spend too much time on their screens and want to limit their screen time. Did that surprise you? Yeah, um, I, I suppose a bit of both. One of the things we have to be conscious of is that obviously we acknowledge that um, social connection, particularly with people outside, does make someone feel good. It, be, it builds meaningful connection, fosters a sense of well-being and, and belonging. However, though, in this very digitally connected world, as you mentioned, I think a few of your calls mentioned as well, young people in particular are finding it a bit trickier to do so. They're essentially out of practice. You know, it's been, uh, it's been probably a couple of years and they're very formative years and they have not had the ability to play sport in person, connect in person, go to school in person. So it is both surprising and a bit worrying as well. When you say worrying, what worries you? What concerns you about this? Because it's easy to say, oh, just get off your phone, get off your devices. But what are the real ramifications of the, the loss of social connection? 
Yeah, I suppose if you look at the benefits of why we socially connect, and I think one of your callers, Jimmy, made a, a key point about this as well. It's, it, it builds life skills. These are the soft skills we've always talked about. It helps build better relationships. Um, the young people have told us they are happier, they study better, they're less stressed, they're less anxious as well. So these are very um, important mental well-being um, skills that are built just on the ability of a person being able to speak to a, to a friend or um a relative outside in person. The thing that we hear is that social media particularly can really help build connections. You know, it's it's another place where people can find their tribe, isn't it? And you do hear that argument a lot. What do young people have to say about the role that those um, online connections can play versus, you know, face-to-face real, you know, in real life connections, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Precisely, and this has been such a topic, I suppose, especially with the inclusion of Threads, um, the new platform a couple of days mm. ago. Um, it, it's a mixture of both, again, in the sense that we have learned how to use social media better in the past couple of years. We have connected better with relatives across the world. We have been able to achieve things that would usually take weeks of planning just in the matter of, um, of, of half an hour or an hour. However, they have told us that, that disconnecting from technology and catching up face-to-face is still something they consider essential and they're trying to find a way to balance both of that and that's I suppose our role there to assist them in finding a bridge between having a digital identity and an in-person identity as well. Oh that's interesting and Mm. the digital identity and this opens up another can of worms I know I've spoken about it in the past but the idea of the image that you portray online in particular the sort of filters that we use and the the realistic nature of filters now that people's online images image is so vastly different to what they look like in real life that they now have a fear of going out because there's people that they only know online that they will then meet them in real life and be like hang on a second you look nothing you don't like. Look like that you don't look like that <laughs> kevin stay with us because pip has called through from ballarat good morning pip oh how are you going well what did you want to say um, I've been horrified by the fact that I see everybody on their screen. So I make my eight-year-old not only not have a screen, but do all his face-to-face interactions. So if we go out for tea, he has to order his own meal. Um, if we're standing in the street chatting and someone starts a conversation with him, he has to maintain the conversation. He can't look to me to answer for him. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just trying to teach him that you can have face-to-face life. Oh, good on you. And it's it's interesting, it was talking to a young person who's probably 12, 13 recently, um, a son of friends of ours, and he is the most engaging, delightful young man. He asks questions back, you know, when you ask him questions. And I, it stands out because it's quite uncommon mm. now, I think. And is that... What pe- you're doing is good. Yeah, is that because you've been worried about, well, he's not going to have the social skills needed that you need in life a little bit yeah because um i guess yeah i'm a bit of an older mum and also i grew up in rural wa in a time when there was no social media so the only time we got to see people was if we saw them face to face and that wasn't very often so i was quite shy and i don't want him to end up like that um i don't want him to be shy um and we also live in rural victoria now so we don't see a great deal of people but whenever we do go somewhere i'm blown away by seeing people camping on their phones mm, <laughs> i know i just think you've you've gone away you should be chatting and so i want him to be able to hold a conversation and not rely on a digital device for his life yeah yeah, it's so true when you talk about camping. And I know, Bron, you and I were talking off air. Not only are we losing the connection with people and the art of socialising and holding a conversation or being able to look someone in the eye, right? Because eye contact is confronting for a lot of people. Mm. We've also lost the connection to nature. And I found myself saying what my parents used to say to me when I watched too much telly, you know, go outside and get some fresh air because fresh air changes everything oh it does and even that idea of that sort of downtime or empty time you know you're waiting in a queue these days 
And people won't just stand and wait in a queue. You know, the minute you don't have something occupying your attention, out comes the phone. Yeah. It's extraordinary. And we just aren't able to just sit and be and do nothing anymore. And that's actually so important for your brain to be able to wonder and wonder. Um, it, I really wonder what it's doing to our ability to think. Just finally, Kevin, the research that Vic Health has done into this with this survey of 1,000 young Victorians aged 18 to 25, what do you want done with this information? Lots of texts are coming in saying, well, you know, maybe we should be teaching empathy in school, for example. What would you like to see done? Yeah, I, I think uh, particularly a previous caller captured this really well. I mean, our messaging to parents in particular to avoid shaming young people, acknowledging that we have had a very difficult few years and it's okay to start small. We've got a swap challenge and um, we've, we've partnered with some great influential young people on these platforms like your TikTok, Instagram, to tell young people that starting small, you know, swapping out your half an hour of, um, of, um, of, of TV time to go for a walk, being kind to yourself as well. And, uh, and being willing to try new challenges. I think Jimmy earlier did talk about uh, traveling quite far to, to, to play sport on the weekend with colleagues and acknowledging that that is a big step, but it, it's worth doing because it does wonders for your mind as well. So we do have a lot of these resources available at futurehealthy.vichealth.vic.gov.au for young people and their parents to try find spaces across the state um, that are putting on you know events, um, sporting um, activities, etc., that support mental health. Mm. Kevin, thank you so much. Kevin, Kevin Capacay, who's the Victorian, sorry, Vic Health Manager of Social Connection and Mental Wellbeing, and they've just surveyed a thousand Victorians, eighteen to twenty-five, about screen time and social connection. You know, one thing that we haven't touched on here is a text come through from anonymous that says it's very easy to offend someone with a text because you can't hear or read tone that oh, you yes. would in a conversation. I miss the days when people talked to each other on the phone. <laughs> Sometimes I wait weeks before it's convenient to talk with a friend. When I was little, my mum would call her friend every afternoon. I'd come home from school and they would be chatting. Now all my friends, the children say they don't have time. And I can remember that too. I remember my dad every Friday night would call his best mate and they would just play this like song guessing game with each other. <laughs> they probably had a couple of beers, but it was just this... Fun. Mm. It was infectious. It was hilarious. And it was just two mates catching up on the phone, even if it was with some strange guessing game. It's interesting too, just thinking about um, what the pandemic did to our ability to have chats with people and that sort of bump into someone and, and have a casual chat. I know um, the school that, that my kids go to, um, we weren't able to go on to school grounds for so long. And so parents have sort of just stop doing it even though now you can and we used to have all these sort of just casual conversations waiting for for the kids to come out you'd bump into other parents doesn't happen anymore people stay in their cars they stay outside the school gates and we don't talk anymore so it's yeah i think we've got lots of work to do to get back to where we were my 19 year old daughter and her friends communicate via voice memes she records and re-records about five times before she actually sends ones needs to be unrealistically perfect before mm. she hits send Abraham Quoll is 25 years old. He works full-time and is also studying for a PhD. Abraham, have you tried to make, I guess, an extra effort to connect face-to-face -face with friends as opposed to online? I think, um, yeah, all, all the time I'm constantly trying to make the effort to connect with friends in person. Usually the only social media I have is just messenger groups, and all I do in that is when a meeting is organized between my friends, that's the only time I'll ever respond. Other than that, I find it really, really difficult to find time to, to use social media. And I think it's very distracting. At the same time, it makes certain things that aren't as attractive too attractive. Generally, I, I enjoy playing sport. So it's really easy to connect with people playing sport. And I find that in the little time that I do have, if I'm on, if I'm using social media or if I'm, if I'm on any, any platforms, it, it's more so stressful than it is beneficial to me personally. It's such a time sink, Abraham, isn't it? It's interesting you talk about that. Do you ever feel, though, that you're missing out, that there is, life is happening in this digital space and you're not part of it? 
I mean, early when I disconnected from all social media, it felt like I was. But realistically, what I'm doing when I'm on those social media platforms isn't that beneficial to me. But when I am connecting with friends in person, we can have a laugh. It's, it's joyful. Being online is, I don't know, I found it very, not not too appealing and, and more stressful than it is mm-hmm. beneficial to me. Because as, at the same time, you can make connections online, but they don't feel... I, I don't know. They don't they feel, feel real. Yeah. They don't feel real. And it's you can't actually speak with people. You can't learn the skills that are necessary to, that, that you need to use in life. Mm-hmm. Being able to connect with people in person, you when you look at someone in the eye and it's a little bit confronting, you learn over time that, okay, this is something I'm uncomfortable with. How can I fix it? Or even just the way you speak to other people and your own, com- and your own self-confidence. These are the things that you can only learn in active situations and in person. I couldn't uh, agree more that uh, of looking someone in the eye, being able to, as we said earlier, read the room and being able to judge whether somebody is comfortable or uncomfortable. Abraham, thank you for your insights. And it's like what I was chatting, as I said earlier, before we came on air with someone who I'd never met, you know, in the green room and talking about empathy or understanding how to apologise, but how to connect. And as Abraham said, Bron, he worries about, well, then what skills are you not learning that you take with you in Mm. life? I wonder what, what will we ever know what impact that will have on your life, whether it be the job that you choose to have or the partner that you choose to have or not have. Dr Fiona Kerr can answer some of that, I think. She's the founder of the Neurotech Institute and she's an expert in human connectivity. Welcome, Fiona. Hi, how are you? Good. How do our brains and our bodies react differently when we have an in-person interaction versus, say, an online interaction with someone? Right. Well, there's a lot of uh, neurophysiological differences. So um, I loved the last discussion. It's it's very true that it's not the same online. Um, And there's things that you never learned online and don't ever turn on. So when you uh, meet someone face to face, there's because we're beautiful electrochemical bags that are kind of built to pick up information from other people that's what we're very good at and um, within about a sixth of a second in fact within about a twelfth of a second you start getting phonoconimo neurons and various neurons turning on and um, and you get uh, subsets of mirror neurons you start to create oxytocin dopamine vasopressin we have oxytocin receptors in our eyes so if you meet someone's gaze um then you you get a boost of oxytocin um which is also why we like looking into someone else's eyes when we actually talk to them or meet them um and if you smile there's all sorts of galvanic responses so we have beautiful um i guess multiple sensors for gathering that information so we've we've also got dynamic resonance when we move we pick up all kinds of um tuning in i guess um information from the other body uh, when it's moving in space so proximity is really important to that and um, when we hear a voice um in real time then that creates all sorts of brain-to-brain coupling in our in our in across between our brains that we can actually watch now um and we have uh, something called a chemosphere so we trade thousands of chemicals with each other when we're in proximity to each other most of them in our emotional sweat which sounds awful but it's not and mm. um, and that that's a massive amount of information as well but the interbrain synchronization is really strong and it's it's like brain wi-fi if you think about it that way and oh, wow. um, so we're sending information across actually not just a brain and brain but when the last caller was saying that there's various things you can only pick up Mm. when you're um, in proximity and things like learning something by watching and also someone talking you through something and showing you something not only is their brain connecting to your brain excuse me i have a cold um the brain is also actually connecting to motor systems of the other person so the um, the absorption of of, you know data is massive Oh, I was going to say, it makes me wonder then, especially yeah. with hybrid work and so many of us not necessarily being in workplaces all the time like we used to, what are the ramifications? If we're, if we're not having those face-to-face interactions, Fiona, and we're not getting that burst of oxytocin and dopamine and all the good, all the good stuff that makes us buzz, what, what effect does that have on us? 
Yeah, um, it has a number of effects. So as an individual, um, it has effects on how we feel, on, excuse me, <coughs> on, on everything from your immune system. Um, uh, sorry, my voice is terrible. Um, everything on, from your immune system yeah. to, um, to how happy you're feeling and positive um, and also how calm you're feeling. But the other aspects are things like um, what you think about, the way you think about problems, your level of feeling of belonging, um, and uh, the the kind of collaboration and comfort and curiosity that you get when you're kind yeah. of with other people. Various parts of your brain don't turn on over screens. So even if you know someone, well, the more you know them, if you know them in person, the good thing about hybrid is when you meet face-to-face, your brain makes neurophysiological changes. So it, it is different after we've met face-to-face. We've kind of known that, but now we definitely know yeah, that it makes a difference. That's such a good and they point. carry over more over a screen, but it's still never the same. You've got to be, you know, there's parts of your brain that only ever turn on when you're in proximity to the other person. Fiona, stay with us. We're, we're gonna, I'll, I'll let you clear your throat and we'll have a chat to Pell, who's called us from Upway. Good morning. Good morning. What did you want to say? Uh, well, um, I, I, my wife died just less than two, two years ago and I have uh, three children, a boy and two girls, and uh, they have a siblings association. <laughs> and so they meet on Zoom or whatever their medium is there and uh, and have the discussion and then one will ring me and let me know what I'm going to do next. Um, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. The other part is that um, my son, uh, he, he rings almost every day when he's in Melbourne yep. and uh, we have it on Zoom or whatever it is and... Uh, and we have a whiskey on the phone. <laughs> and have a, have a virtual catch-up. And just the fact that he calls you every day, how important is that to you, pal? Oh, the family's just everything. Yeah. It is so important, the contact, to talk. Um, I don't do any messaging. Mm. Um, I can, but I won't do it. Um, I prefer to hear the voice. Makes a huge difference. The voice difference. often tells you things. Yeah. Yeah, and you're if, so right. If they've yeah. had a bad day, the whole thing comes about with them talking and me listening, and then vice versa if that if it happens that way. Pal, it's perfect, isn't it? Because you can pick up even if it's not face to face, but if it's just a conversation where you'd be like, "Are you okay?" In a way, you can just read someone's voice or tone. Just finally, Dr. Fiona Kerr is with you. There's so many texts on this; it's impossible to keep up we've got a full board of calls as well so it's not that people just want to text us we're going to try and get through (laughs) as many of them as we possibly can but it's interesting Fiona and that there's lots of people talking about well I'm an introvert and there's always been extroverts and introverts and whether or not this helps or hinders people who may feel a little introverted but this text from Len that says thank you so much for raising this important issue no money or time to connect with other people is an excuse Eastern Regional Library events have programs I'm in front of one right now and it's busting and bursting with free activities over the coming months for all ages. We offer plenty of opportunity for community connection, many evenings and weekends. Just go to your local library, check it out. Thanks so much for this program. And yes, I agree with Lenin that it is there, but it's taking that first step, isn't it, to socially connect? That's the hardest bit. And I fear for us as a society... We're also scared to make that first step because we've created these little comfortable bubbles that we live in. Mm. Um, the, the voice issue also is a really, that was a very good point. So when you, when you know people already, then of course screens and any kind of connectivity is better. But the richer the information, the better. So if you text, it's very, very sparse. Whereas even if you leave a text voice message, the amount of information that you give the other person is is hugely, you know, hundreds of times greater. And the lovely thing about human voice is we have we've learned to mask how we look and how we feel over a screen, so visibly, but we haven't learned to mask emotion by our voice. So we pick up this really rich amount of information and the emotional activity of the other person when we listen to the voice. So it's often better to actually phone someone rather than look at them on the screen because the screen is so cognitively tiring that you're making the brain work very hard just to stop 
buffering problems and, and all those sorts of things, whereas the, the, the phone is a, is a really effective way of picking up information from people. And, you know, the art of listening is a whole other conversation, mm-hmm. isn't it? Which, you know, if we're not practising and having uh, that actual conversation, we're never going to be, become good listeners. Dr Fiona Kerr, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning, founder of the Neurotech Institute and an expert in human connectivity. This text, we're teaching empathy at school and re-socialising in school. I'm an experienced secondary drama teacher and we've recently noticed the lack of social capacity in teens, both before and after COVID. I believe it's because of so much time being spent online and games and social media and not being insta-perfect in real life is a thing. Fear of performing in drama class, working in a team when putting on a play is really hard. Empathy and teamwork is what I teach, not just to for creative expression, but it's actually got harder. I work with my students and we shift the way we do film scenes and team up for acting, but it's got so difficult to even motivate students to allow them to feel that challenge and to feel vulnerable in a safe space. Even a Q&A in class has loads more silences now and lo- less, a lot less questions being asked. I've had to t- change the way that I teach and the text goes on. So even being able to teach empathy within school now there's only so much we can throw on teachers and schools in terms of what we need to teach now but maybe you've noticed this maybe it's you do you feel socially awkward now and have you noticed that we just don't talk anymore on abc radio melbourne and victoria this is the conversation hour Whoever would have thought that Cliff Richard was right, hey? (laughs) (laughs) We don't talk anymore. The proof is in. Some surveys being done on 1,000 18 to 25-year-olds from VicHealth that we spend so much time on screen that we have lost the art of social connection. But we believe here on The Conversation Hour, Bronwyn O'Shea, that it's more than just young people, that it is all of us. This text, my dad sends me a text every morning and we have a catch-up in person once a week, both ways of a communication and they are both important and valid. It's a balancing act. Mm. And this from Colleen. On the weekend, I saw five young boys with their bikes at a track. They were sitting on the hill that they've just developed to ride over, but they all sat back to back on the hill looking at their phones. And that's from Colleen. Mm. So they're out in nature, right? And they're on their bikes. So tick, tick. (laughs) But (laughs) it all falls down with the phone. They're not talking. No. Andrew's at Staffordshire Reef. Hi, Andrew. Hello, how are you? Good. Are you ringing people? Are you talking to people anymore, Andrew? Uh, well, well I've, I've seen to, I think I must be a social pariah because I seem to have missed and been in sightless to the fact that that's what I'm supposed to be doing because I can't bear being um, on the text phase, maybe it's my age, for, for longer than, you know, the initial kind of introduction or polite sort of commentary because I need that um, the reactions of a facial expression and and what you're getting to actually get the information and I feel like the other person needs to get that to get a sense of who I am and I worked in mental health for you know 30 years and um, all of my work was either on the phone or directly in front of a young person or, or someone who was needing assistance so for me it's just the kind of the go-to place and I Oh. I've realised I must actually kind of maybe push people a bit too quickly to get to that point of beyond text because um, I've noticed that people kind of get a bit affronted because I do that a bit too quickly. Do you worry, as someone that's worked in the mental health sector with young people in particular, Andrew, that, yeah. that it's easy to say, well, we spend too much time on screens, but if we are actually losing the ability to socially connect, to read people's emotions, to be able to judge empathy, to apologise, all of those things, does that worry you? Well, I mean, absolutely. I think I've met a lot of young, young people that really do miss social cues and, and, have, had, and have a real kind of that sense of not knowing what the social norms are. So when you're on the internet, I think it's really evident that people think there's a different rule on the internet about how you can conduct yourself. When I think, well, if you're on the internet, you wouldn't be able to say, as you would, if you, if you walked in, bumped into someone in the street. So 
So if you're on a, um, like a dating site or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a, a Zoom sort of forum or something, you know, on that people would be feel, feel very um, okay about just not acknowledging another person that might be in the same space with them. And I kind of go, yeah, but if I saw you in the street, I, it would be really rude if I didn't actually stop and say hi or acknowledge you, because it's quite dismissive, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of almost allowed or expected, and, and maybe you come across as a bit too needy if you're, you know, expecting a sort of acknowledgement for existing. Isn't that sad that to think that, you know, wanting to have that human connection is now perceived as needy? I love nothing more. Like, I'm a, if you walk past me in the street, guaranteed I will... At least nod, nothing else. I'm, I'm, I'm always too. g'day. I'm always having a chat. I'll chat if you're next to me in the supermarket. I'll have a chat as well. I, I found I do it. it even more now. Same. I find that I look for reasons to strike up these really weird conversations with people. Sometimes I think, I don't know, was I the only one enjoying that? <laughs> Did they enjoy that as much as I? Did? Oh God, here she comes again through my but checkout. You know what I thought was really interesting. I, I, how many times do you say to people, "Oh, it's so lovely to finally meet you face to face." I I reckon I've said that, you know, a hundred times in the last two years to people. And now that Fiona said that we are electrochemical bags, effectively, I think she called us, who have all these things firing off when we meet people in person, I understand now. It's not just a thing we say, it's actually a physical thing that we feel. We feel better when we when we have that connection. I agree. Mm. Jocelyn Brewer is a psychologist and a cyber, a cyber psychology consultant and the founder of Digital Nutrition. Jocelyn... What were, I guess, the habits that we're forming at the moment? How unhealthy are they long-term? What are the long-term ramifications of this? Oh, that's a huge question to kick off with because we're doing this massive experiment where um, we don't know yet and it's really hard to study some of, like, the the impacts, I guess, when when you think about, say, the displacement effect. So technology, we're using technology more. Um, We still only have 24 hours in the day. So what are we doing less of? And what we find goes first is sleep followed by movement. Unless, of course, you're doing what I was doing about 20 minutes ago, walking along a beach while listening to you up here in Duck and Dung Country um, on the central coast of New South Wales. So I think what happens here and, and where this conversation gets really, really complex and tricky is we're talking about so many different things in one conversation. Mm. Um, and it, it's a fantastic conversation because it's pulling out I've written pages of notes while listening to to um, try and understand like, what I think is coming through this blend of how do we stay human, which is about kindness, connection, conscientiousness in this hypersaturated world digital world and in a world where we talk to robots jocelyn you know how many kids do you know who say hey and forgive me i'm gonna have to use brand names here but hey siri Mm. or hey google do this and we're kind of barking orders at robots every day and we are only just starting to experience that so you know this christmas and coming christmases i expect that kids are going to start you know really getting we're not going to have screen time anymore we're going to have goggle time we're going to be in our immersive devices stepping into versions of the metaverse (gasps) i just had a physical reaction (laughs) to that there's a text Um, here that says I have sleepless nights and I am lying awake thinking about the amount of time that my kids spend on devices and how socially isolated they've become. I blame myself and I can't help but feel that I've failed them in my role as a father. And I, I've done that. I, I feel the same way and I'm sure that Palo, who sent that text, we're not alone there, Jocelyn, are we, in feeling like we're failing? We don't know what to do. Not at all. And and I think, you know, we, we hear a lot about digital natives. I, I don't think they're digital natives, they're digital orphans because they grew up without a generation of people who are actually asking the right questions, especially when we look at the age group in the report of 18 to 25s, you know, kick back three years to when all of the lockdowns, especially for, you know, Victorians was kicking in. These are 16-year-olds, like such a critical phase of identity and development. So what I would say to parents um, is really to de-guilt that tech 
use, really zoom out and, and apply what, you know, I call digital nutrition, which is to think less about the time online and more about the quality of what you're doing. Because we know that there's a range of, um, I guess, your screen gnome, so like your genome, your kind of particular digital diet or your preferences or the way that we can actually look at the way we use a range of devices. So, you know, most Australian households have eight, um, 17 or 18, I can't remember exactly the number, but um, internet connected devices in them. Um, most young people have two or three with them at any one time. So, um, thinking about the virtual vitamins, what's contained in when I go on, you know, Meta's new Threads app, which is trying to be Twitter, what are the virtual vitamins in that? Am I getting anything more? Am I just playing out my FOMO? Um, if I'm like the caller before about the skate, the kids at the skate park or the, the bike track, you know, they were seeing those kids on their phone after gosh knows how many hours of riding their bikes and filming their tricks and all of those sorts of things. So we, we need to be really careful, I guess, about how we get our judgy pants on around this and think about holistically across those 24 hours in the day have we got enough sleep have we got enough movement and how are we using our devices and is that kind of more nutritious than the digital junk foods so how if you want to set up good habits healthy tech mm -hmm. habits in your kids potentially or even older than that young adults what how do you say to them how do you teach them what is nutritious device use or where you where you're doing things that are filling your cup and and giving you all the really? things you need yeah, it's a conversation and, and I have a, a little course about how to design a tech use agreement where we're creating some of these social rules. So we say things like what works with technology and I'm sure, you know, the Vic Health report actually dug into like many kids actually want more screen time limits surprisingly, because kids love consistency. What they hate is um, inconsistency and unfairness. So when people don't actually explain, or if you do this, then, you know, this is the consequence. So sitting down as a family and actually nutting out, how is tech useful and how is it mm. detracting from our values? Having a conversation about what do we care about in our family and what are the things that we want to make sure we're protecting? And then where does technology fit? And sometimes technology is more important than the family pet, you know, a kid would, and there's some weird researcher who says, would you prefer to lose your phone or have a um, break a bone in your hand? And you can imagine that some kids are choosing, I'd prefer to break a bone and not yes. have my phone with me. And to sit down and say, what are our own family's rules? Because every family, every kid is different around how we use tech. Yeah. And, and it's not just kids either. It's the parents and modeling. I think having that conversation for a lot of us would be really yeah. confronting because you're going to have to hold the mirror up to that. Jocelyn, thank you so much. Jocelyn Brewer, psychologist and cyber psychology consultant. This text, so many boomers calling in that don't know how to talk anymore, blah, blah, blah. Texting is its own language and tone. Inside of text is something that you can learn and the kids have done this down to a fine art. I'm 48 with a 20-year-old daughter and I can feel her and her friends rolling her eyes listening to this and others saying this is such a topical conversation about communication my 93 year old mother has a lovely relationship of writing letters with her 11 great grandchildren who live some distance away and others talking about those boys on their bike that were riding off saying they were probably sitting there editing their video and uploading it <laughs> to yeah, the net probably. in some way Sarah Arrowsmith is 23 she works full time and Sarah you found a way to connect with people did you make a really I guess conscious decision to put down the phone and try and connect with people face to face yeah I really had to um I graduated in the middle of COVID um so coming out of COVID where everyone was at home you were able to talk to anyone whenever you wanted to and then going into full-time work where now you have to work 30 hours a week and everyone else is working 30 hours a week, you're tired at the end of the day and you actually have to think, okay, well, when am I actually going to talk to someone? When am I actually going to spend time on me? Um, so it really was hard to go from COVID times to work times. And so what have you seen now that you are prioritising that and you are kind of forcing yourself to make room for those relationships? What's that, that, what's that been like in your life? I've actually noticed that my screen time has gone up um, because I am trying to connect with people and 
the easiest way to do that when everyone is working full-time is by texting them mm. and sending them a message on Facebook or whatever it is. Um, so I have noticed that my screen time has gone up. Does it worry you or are you pretty comfortable with how you've got the balance at the moment? It definitely does worry me because I know that I shouldn't be on my phone that much, but it's a balancing act for sure because I know that human connection is also just as important. There's a text here that says, we need to give the kids a break. We developed these things and we've perpetuated them and then we tell them that they're doing life wrong. Do you feel like you're sort of being told you're doing it all wrong, Sarah, but then none of us have really got the answers? Absolutely. Mm. I don't really know what is right. I don't think anyone really knows what's right. Everyone just has their opinions of what they think is and they go along with that and then you get told that you're doing it wrong. Um, so, yeah, no one really knows what they're doing um, and no one knows what the right answer is or what the right balance is. Um, the only thing we can do is try our best, really. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. Sarah, thank you. We really appreciate it. And I think we're all just trying to do our best, aren't we? This text that says, I finally found my best friend from school in the 80s. We had a couple of texts and then I rang. And she said, why are you ringing me? <laughs> why didn't you just text me? I couldn't believe it, even in our generation, that she didn't want to talk like we used to when we were teenagers. Peter's been waiting patiently in Wodonga and will be our last call. Hi, Peter. Oh, good morning, and what a wonderful conversation, Rochelle and Bronwyn. Yes, I have a solution for young people. It's absolutely certain that young people are disadvantaged because of their lack of communication skills, and when they go for a job interview, it's blatantly obvious that they are at a disadvantage. Also, people who work in the service industry, they need to learn how to communicate, and there's a solution. One is to go into a volunteer group, any volunteer group, any service club, or what we do is and we have a Toastmaster group where we teach people how to communicate face-to-face. Mobile phones are banned. Yeah, I think this is going to be the future, Peter, where we go and have classes. <laughs> you know, once you say, oh, I'm doing a life drawing class or something exotic like that. Now it's be like, okay, I'm going to take a Conversation class. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to look somebody in the eye or I'm going to learn how to apologise to someone. Speaking of which, we have to apologise to people whose texts we didn't get a chance to read out today. But Bron, it's nice to feel I'm not alone in this. I Mm. don't know about you, but it's really overwhelming when we start to throw around the long-term impacts, uh, like Palo said, I feel like a failure as a parent. I feel like a failure as a human being when my screen time notification pops up. I don't even look at it now. I know. It's, you just feel guilt, don't you? But I think, I mean, the, the great thing is that it's reminded us this conversation of what is so special about being human and being around other humans. And we're going to be okay. We're going to find our way through it because I think ultimately we'll get to a point where we crave what we're not getting, which is that little spark you get in your body and soul when you look up and you meet eyes with someone and you just smile and that might be it. Bromin O'Shea, as always, joining us from ABC. Wodonga, thank you so much. I'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Tomorrow we're talking about bottled water. When we have such great water, why are we buying it in bottles?